0: Now this series that we're starting today is entitled Get In The Game, it's all about relationships. And we're gonna talk about how you and I can help as well as handle difficult people that are in our lives. And one of the things that I'm gonna be doing in this series is I'm gonna be texting verses on different areas challenges that are in regards to our relationship throughout this series. And if you want to be a part of that text, we've done this before. We always have to wipe out our database. We, you have to sign up for it, where you text WORD to 40650, okay? And you will get a scripture around noon in regards to various aspects of relationship. And so... Take take your communication card, or you can go to your phone and do that, and and plug it in. Because this series is absolutely critical. We've done a number of series throughout the past. We've taken a look recently about mental health. We've taken a look about physical health. We've taken a look at vocational health. We've taken a look at spiritual health. Today, we're going to take a look at relational health. And how we need wisdom to produce the kind of healthy relationships that we want. There was a pastor in our church that went to visit a widow in her home. And he sat down to talk with her, and there was a bowl of peanuts right there. And he began to eat on those peanuts, and after a period of time, he had to apologize because he ate all the peanuts. And she says, oh, that's okay. I can't eat the nuts. I just suck the chocolate off of them. (laughs) Now, this pastor, and I won't name his name, felt a little foolish, okay? The reality is we all do foolish things in our relationships from time to time. I really believe most of it happens unintentionally. Sometimes it does happen intentionally. But whether it's unintentional or intentional, we'd all be less foolish if we had more wisdom. Now, wisdom doesn't solve uh, or doesn't get rid of problems, but wisdom can definitely minimize your problems. And there is no better place to have wisdom, folks, than in our relationships. Because a lot of times we provoke people in doing things that we really don't want them to do and what we need is wisdom and how to navigate those things now there is a classic passage in the bible about relationships in james james is the author of james but he is not James the just, one of Jesus' disciples, and nor was he James the son of Altheus. No, he was James the brother of Jesus. And what had happened is that dispersion had come. And James, being the practicologist that he is, weaves in theology about practical things. And one of those things that he brings to these dispersed Christians is how to have harmonious relationships with people that are in the world. James chapter 3, 13 through 18, let's read this. If you are wise and understanding God's ways, you'll live a life of steady goodness so that only good deeds will pour forth. And if you don't brag about the good you do, then you'll be truly wise. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your hearts, don't brag about being wise. That is the worst kind of lie, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and motivated by the devil. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. Now let's stop right there for a moment. Do you have any disorder going on in your world? Is there any chaos going on in your world? The Bible says that if there is any kind of disorder, any kind of disharmony, guess what? There is an ego behind it. Whether that is in the office place, whether that is at home, whether that is out on the soccer field or the football fields of life, he says wherever there is jealousy, or disharmony, or chaos, or disorder, or evil, or selfish ambition, you can bet that there is a person behind it. Now James goes on, and he says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no partiality and is always sincere. Now these verses right here teach us a lot about relationships that you and I are not going to get in this world. Because the Bible teaches that wisdom is about the way you relate to other people. And the world doesn't think that way. So I want you to write this down. Wisdom has to do with what you do and not with what you know. Folks, a lot of people think that wisdom is intelligence, that it's smart, that it's IQ, that it's education. Guess what? It's not. The world is full of educated idiots. Would anyone like to give a testimony about one, okay? You can have all kinds of smarts, all kinds of brilliance. You can have the highest IQ. You can be technically smart in something. But wisdom shows up in relationships with what you do and not with what you know. That is why in these verses, it says that you and I are foolish when we get bitter, when we get jealous, when we are resentful, when we have selfish ambition. And he says it's being foolish because oftentimes we think that those things will get us what we want. And in reality, it won't. There's a report, I heard it on the radio, about two types of coaches. Ones that encourage and ones that are negative. And they said that ones that are negative, that are angry, that are mad, win more games than the others. But if you drill down in the article, it says this. To a point. Will it give you immediate results? I'm sure it will. But will you have a long-term relationship? Probably not. In verse 18, he says, those who are peacemakers plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. Every day in our relationships, you and I are planting seeds and we are harvesting crops from them. You are either planting peace or you're planting disharmony. You're either planting love or you are planting hate. You are either planting anger or you are planting peace. The question is, what kind of seeds are you planting? And how are you cultivating them? Now, in the world that we live in, with all the tension that exists in every aspect of life, what we long for, is peace and harmony. Can't we just be at peace with one another? Why are we so polarized in this country? I want, just, I want there just to be goodness. The answer to peace and goodness is that you got to be wise. And you got to do it in a wise way. And today we're going to ta- take a look at six things that you and I, as wise people, must never do. In verse 17, James says, James gives us the ground rules for playing the game, of having healthy, good, peaceful relationships. In the future, from this message on, we're going to take a look at various types of relationships that we may be in or that we may know others are in. So I wanna encourage you, take some good notes. Because if it's not for you, I can guarantee you this, in the relationships that you have in this world, it's gonna be for someone that you know. Like people pleasers, like people who have short fuses, like boundary busters. Anybody got a boundary buster in their life? For people who have religious nut jobs. Don't look at me though on that one. Or for abusers. How do you handle these different types of people in the relationships that you have? That's what we're gonna take a look at. But first, we have to start with ourselves. We have to take a look at ourselves and how. We respond to them. So six things wise people never do out of James chapter three. The Bible says first that wisdom is pure. Wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Will you circle that word. We're gonna take this apart. Wisdom is pure. That word means uncorrupted clean, unpolluted, clear, uh, untainted. Now when he says this, what is he talking about? Folks, he's talking about integrity. He's saying that the foundation of all relationships is integrity. But why is this mentioned first? Well, you write this down. Because wisdom starts in the heart and not in the head. Wisdom It starts, in regards to our relationships, in the heart and not in the head. All relationships, think about this, are built on trust. No trust, no relationships. And all trust is built on truth. If you don't have truth, you don't have trust. And if you don't have trust, guess what? You don't have a relationship. If a guy is lying to a gal, All the time. He may have some kind of an arrangement with her, but I guarantee you this, he doesn't have a relationship. He may have some kind of commitment, but he doesn't have a relationship because relationships are built on truth. And so you and I have to have truth in our inner being. Dr. Leonard Keller invented the lie detector and he wrote a book about it. And the conclusion of his research was simply this, that all people what? Lie. They lie to God, they lie to others, but mostly they lie to themselves. We tell ourselves that our relationships have never been better when they have been. We tell ourselves that our relationships are great when they are not. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful more than anything else. Who can understand it? Folks, we have an amazing ability as we just look at our relationships over the horizon to deceive ourselves. And so the first mark of wisdom in relationships is this. Will you write this down? I won't compromise my integrity I won't lie to God to others and to myself I won't violate my conscience I won't compromise my convictions I won't live a double life what you see guess what is what you get because no truth equals no trust and no trust equals no relationship Take a look at Proverbs chapter two, verse seven. God grants a treasure of good sense to the godly. He is their shield, protecting those who walk with integrity. Folks, in regards to our relationships, what we long for is security. And the writer of Proverbs here, Solomon, says, You need a shield in your life against people like boundary busters, like abusers, like people pleasers, like people who have short fuses who want to mess up your life. And God says, I will be that shield. I will produce that kind of integrity or I will produce that kind of security in your life if you will walk in integrity. If you will not lie to me, if you will not lie to others, and if you will not lie, mostly to yourself. So first, wisdom is pure. The second thing wisdom is, is that it's peace loving. In other words, wise people are not always looking for a fight. If you love to fight. And, and you see this out on the playing field, don't you? There's some that are just hot headed. When something goes wrong, they come bump you like that, and if the riff throws that flag like that. Five yards, oh, or maybe 15, unsportsmanlike. I don't know. I, I don't know all the rules. But I do know the rules when it comes to relationships, okay? There's just some hot heads out there. And it's why, and it's wise when you're not a hothead. Fools love to fight. You want to know where that you can find that at? Easy? It's not on the sports field. Just go to the internet. Isn't it amazing? The blogs that are out there where people will say things to provoke you into an argument. But the Bible says wisdom is peace-loving. So here is the second attribute of wisdom in relationships. Will you write this down? I won't antagonize your anger. I won't push your hot buttons. Now the reality is this. If you've known someone for a long period of time, you know what irritates them, don't you? When, when Cheryl and I were first married, uh, you know we were... Uh, uh, in the we were Christians and we we're in the word, and, and it said that Abraham called or Sarah called Abraham Lord. So I came up to Cheryl, I said, You can call me Lord. And she said, Over your dead body. I only have one and it's Jesus and you ain't it, okay? But when you get to know someone, you know their hot buttons. You know what ticks them off. And when you get in a heated discussion with my wife, or when I get in a heated discussion with my wife, and I say, Well, you can just call me Lord, it doesn't go off very well. And a wise person doesn't pull out the weapons of mass destruction and push the hot button. The Bible says that when you and I do that, guess what? It's being stupid. If I'm wise, I won't antagonize your anger. I won't use weapons of mass destruction. I won't push hot buttons. Take a look at Proverbs 20, verse three. A fool can start arguments. The wise thing is to stay out of them. So whatever you do, don't be drawn into an argument by a troll, online or in the real world, who tempts, you to, to, uh, who tempts you by making some off-the-wall comment to tick you off. Now, there are a lot of things that these people oftentimes will do. In fact, let me give you three common ones. They're kind of funny, but in, in some ways, they're hurtful. One of those types of ways is comparing comments. When you start to compare someone with someone else, guess what, it's going to tick them off. Why can't you be more like me? Oh, that one really goes over well. Why can't you be more like so-and-so? Why do you always act like this person? Why, why, Why can't you be more like your mom or your dad or Pastor George? Paul says in 2 Corinthians that you and I are foolish when we compare ourselves with others. In other words, we're not being wise. A second type of comment that's kind of funny, but really is hurtful, is condemning. Condemning comments antagonize anger. When you start laying on the guilt in a relationship, when you begin to try to be their conscience, By saying things like this, you ought to feel ashamed of yourself. That's not being wise. Now let me explain this, because there is depth to this. Every person is fighting their conscience all the time, whether they realize it or not. And when you decide to be their conscience, guess who they're going to get mad at? You. You, What they do is they take all the energy and anger that they have been focusing in on themselves and they direct it towards you. Is that what you want? I don't think so. So don't try to be someone else's conscience by saying, you should, you must, you ought, you need to, you always, you never. Anytime you and I use those words, in essence, we are playing conscience. And it's going to irritate them. So there are comparing comments. There are condemning comments. Then there are contradiction comments. Contradiction always makes other people mad. Have you ever watched someone correct every detail of someone's story and you are watching this and they are starting to get hot? You know what I'm talking about? Every detail. If you're wise, you won't sweat the small stuff. In fact, will you write this down? Wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. I had a business guy teach me this. You gotta choose your battles, George, and not all of them are worth fighting for. Wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. And if you don't and you fight, guess what? Take a look at Proverbs 14, 29. A wise man controls his temper. He knows that anger causes mistakes. If you react to every little thing, guess what? you're going to say something that you shouldn't have. Have you ever been there? Obviously, we all have. I have for sure. And so you and I need to be wise. There is only one letter difference between anger and danger. And when you and I are angry, we are on a dangerous ledge. And so if I am wise, James says, I won't compromise my integrity. I won't lie to God, I won't lie to others, and I won't lie to myself, mostly. I I won't antagonize your anger. I will be and seek to be a peace-loving person. The third thing that the Bible says about wisdom in relationships is that it is gentle all the time. The Living Bible says, courteous. The NIV says, considerate. Take a look at what Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 15, or 4, verse 5. Philippians 4, 5. Let everybody see that you are considerate in most things. Is that what that says? I have to be honest with you. I hate this verse. Especially when I drive around here. That's my translation. God is saying, let everybody see that you are considerate in most things. So that helps me. Isn't what it says, does it? It says, in all things. Folks, I don't like that word all. In my studies, in the Greek, the word all means all, all the time. Do you mean, Pastor George, I have to be considerate when other people have been inconsiderate to me? Yep. I have to be, I have to be polite when other people have been rude to me. Yep. I have to treat that clerk who's been a jerk with dignity. Yep. When someone cusses me out and flips me off on the road, you're telling me I can't cuss them out and flip them off on the road? That's what I'm saying. That's why I don't like that verse. Now this, this aspect of relationships is important. Consideration. Why? Because being considerate is the antidote to the two most common mistakes that happen in all relationships across the board. The first one is this, take good notes. Oftentimes, we react to what people say and we ignore What's going on behind the scenes? We ignore how they feel. What I am saying is that we pay too much attention to words and not enough attention to what is going on in the, inside of them. Folks, we live in a stressful society. And so as a result, there is a lot of internal stress that cannot be seen on the outside, but it's working, it's, it's working on the inside, and oftentimes it comes out through words. They use words that they don't really mean. And so what do you do? You've got to look behind the words, and you've got to look at the emotions, because that is really what's going on. And if you are wise in relationships, you'll stop focusing on what maybe your kids or your boss or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your spouse says that ticks you off. And you will start looking behind the words to the emotions, to the why of it. Why? Because being considerate means being mindful of the feelings of others. Truly, it's in that moment where you begin to talk to God and you ask God, what could cause them to be this way right now? You see, I have discovered in 40 years of ministry, 30 here at Life Point, that people who are not in pain are generally kind. But people who are in pain are generally unkind. That is where I've coined the phrase, hurt people, hurt people. When I get hurt by someone, it's because they're hurting on the inside. And people who are hurting on the inside, guess what they need? They need massive doses of kindness. And so you look behind the words and you look at the feelings. Take a look at Romans 15 too. Paul brings this out. He says, we must be considerate. That means be mindful of the feelings of others. Of the doubts. Every one of us here has doubts. And the fears. Every one of us has fears of others. Let's please the other person, not ourselves, in doing what, what's good for him and build him up. Folks, we react. Far too often to what people say and not enough to what is going on, the feelings, the emotions that they have. Big mistake. The second most common mistake is this. Write this down. We often invalidate feelings that we do not feel ourselves. Because we don't feel it, they must not feel it. And the Bible says, guess what, that's not being wise. Have you ever played the game, it's hot in here? Have you ever played that game? It's hot in here. No, it's not. It's not hot in here. Yes, it is. It's hot in here. It's not hot. I'm not hot. How can you be hot? Okay. Folks, we will argue, will we not, over the most insignificant things in regards to our feelings. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are feelings. Feelings. You and I can argue about facts, no doubt about that. But feelings aren't facts. When we invalidate other people's feelings, guess what? We are minimizing that person. Let me give you an example. This happens a lot. You know what? I just feel ugly. You ever had someone say that to you? I, I I just don't feel pretty today. I I feel ugly. And what oftentimes we say is, you're not ugly. I heard one laugh out there. The rest of us are really thinking about our relationships right now. How do I respond when that happens, when my wife or my girlfriend says that, okay? That's not helpful. What you ought to say is, why would you feel that way? What would make you say something like that? To say, hey, you're not ugly. It's not helpful. That doesn't build them up. Well, I'm afraid. Well, there's nothing to be afraid of. That's stupid to be afraid of that. Guess what you just did? You just minimized that person. Folks, feelings are neither right or wrong. They're just feelings. And so if I'm wise, I won't minimize your feelings. When we don't feel what others feel, oftentimes we come off in one of two ways. One, we will belittle them. You know what? If you had half a brain, you wouldn't think that way, okay? Oh, that's really good. And the other one is, and this one I think is worse, we like to play psychologists with them. Well, let me tell you why you feel that way. We try to solve their problems on the spot. Well, let me tell you, it's because Of your father. (laughs) Remember, even if you are a psychologist, and we have a number of them in here. In a relationship, not with a client, with a, a person, don't play psychologist. Because that's being condescending. You're being condescended when you try to tell people why they feel the way they feel. Now take a look at Proverbs 15, verse 4. Kind words, on the other hand, bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. Have you ever gone home and played this game? My day was worse than your day. Have you ever played that game? Oh, that's a popular game throughout our, our culture here. My day was worse than your day. And instead of sympathizing with them, you say, well, that's nothing. <laughs> My day was this, 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 and this. Let me ask you that. Ask you this. Is that actually helping that relationship? I don't think so. Folks, it's not being wise. It's being foolish. Foolish. Is it possible that both had a rough day? Yes. So what I'm saying is that if you want to stop making the same old mistakes that you've made in relationships, consider minimizing their feelings and stop being a psychologist with them. That will go a long ways the fourth aspect of wisdom is willing to yield to others now we're breaking this down okay in other words we are open to reason we are we allow discussion that word yield in the greek is hypithus okay it is the only time that it is used In the whole Bible. And James uses this word. And what he's in essence communicating is this in relationships, whatever you do, don't be a hardhead. Don't be strong willed. Don't be defensive. Now, how do you know that you have this quality, this quality of yielding to others in your life? It's real simple. You listen to others. Folks, that's the main way that you and I yield to others. It is the main way of expressing that we are open. And wise people are better listeners than those who don't. You're more foolish when you listen less. Now, I have to admit, I have a A personality, and my schedule is packed. And when someone comes into my office and says, I just need a minute of your time, I'm looking at, I'm just going to give you one minute. <laughs> and they come in, and they begin to talk, and they're slowing down, but because I'm AAA, I'm way ahead of them, I've already come to the conclusion, I know what they're thinking, and I fill in the blanks for them. I I tell them the word that they're going to say, and I tell them the thought that they're thinking. I am very presumptuous. And God whispers, George, you're not being wise. George, that's stupid. That's how God talks to me. Now, I have to admit... That that's what I do in relationships. But let me ask you. How do you know that you yield to others? How do you know that you are a reasonable person? You're probably sitting here right now. So I think I'm a reasonable person. How do you know that you're a reasonable person? Can people that you disagree with reason with you? Can you listen to them and talk to them until that issue is resolved? If so, guess what? You're a reasonable person. This is a rare quality in our culture today. People do not listen to one another You see it in the news. You see it on the streets. People do not yield. They have already determined. Don't confuse me with the facts. I've already made up my mind, and if I ask for your opinion, or if I want your opinion, I'll ask for it. They're not open. They're not open to suggestions. Not too long ago, there was a pastor who taught his first message here, I will not give you his name, but his initials are Rob Urbank, Urbanic. Rob Urbanic. And he came to the staff and he said, I want you, I, I want you to be honest with me, how did I do? And so I was the first in line. I said, Rob. Oh, I'm not supposed to use his name, initials. Rob Urbanic, okay, that's his initials. You did three things wrong. You read the sermon. Number two, you read it poorly. And number three, it wasn't worth reading in the first place. I walked away, and Mr. Encouragement of staff followed me. His initials are Dennis (laughs) Tolleson. He came up to Rob Urbanic and he said, Rob, don't pay attention to Pastor George, even though he's the senior pastor. He only repeats what everybody else says in the church. Just kidding, just kidding. But I say that to set up this point. It is tough, is it not, to be open to suggestions in relationships. It's hard. Because sometimes hurtful things are shared. So will you write this down? If I'm wise, I won't criticize your suggestions. In other words, a wise person, folks, can learn from anybody because they understand that a clock is wrong at at least two times a day. And so people in our lives, folks, they can be right occasionally. And let me tell you what is most humbling. It is when... They who most of the time are wrong, and yet they have a great suggestion for your life. you got to ask yourself the question, can I learn from anybody? Can I learn from them? Take a look at Proverbs 18, verse 15. Intelligent people are always open to new ideas. In fact, they look for them. But Pastor George, what if they have a bad idea? Well, you do the same thing that you do with your ideas. If you have a good idea, you listen to it, and you learn from it. If you have a bad idea, you forget about it, and you just move on. Because here's what I have learned in relationships, in this community over the last 30 years as I have talked literally with thousands of people from the top to the bottom about Christ is that some people got, some people have a lot of crazy ideas about God. And yet I have discovered that if I listen to them uninterrupted, that they will listen to me uninterrupted. And sometimes from those conversations, the relationship is, so to speak, driven further down the field to where a touchdown can occur. and that is a rare quality in our day and age. But if I argue point by point by point, guess what they'll do? They will argue with me point by point by point. The fifth thing the Bible says, wisdom is full of mercy and good deeds. Will you circle the word mercy? If I'm gonna be wise, I must max out on mercy. I must major on mercy. In other words, I've got to show grace to people who mess up, who blow up, who sin, who have flops, failures, and fumbles in their life. Think about it like this Who is the wisest person in the universe? God is, right? Who is the most merciful person in the universe? God is, right? Do you think those things are connected? Wise people are merciful. Meaning, anytime you and I start to judge somebody, we're being foolish. Anytime I'm being merciful, I'm being like God. And so it is wise to cut people slack. God has cut us slack, has He not? Everything that you and I have is a result of God's grace and his mercy. Our health, our wealth, our families, our friends, our church. Everything is a result of God's grace. And God doesn't respond to us based on our wants. He responds to us based on our needs. And if God gave us what we deserved in life, folks, we wouldn't be here. And so God cuts us slack. And so he says, if you're wise, you'll show mercy to people. Will you write this down? If I want to be wise in my relationships, I won't emphasize their mistakes. Wise people don't rub things in. They rub Things out. Let me ask you this question. How high do you rate yourself on the mercy scale? Do you jump on every blunder? Do you continually bring up the past? When you are in an argument, do you not just go hysterical, but do you go historical? Where you just dump everything that has ever happened in that relationship for the last, I don't know, 20, 30, 45 years, whatever. Whatever. That's not wise. Wisdom is full of mercy and good deeds. Take a look at Proverbs 17, 9. Love forgets mistakes, nagging about them parts the best of friends. Now, I want you to think of the people. As we get ready to close this, I want you to think of the people that you are close to in your relational world. And if you're sitting next to them, don't look at them right now, okay? Okay? Let me give you a little advice that I got from a couple about five years into our church that had been married 50 years where I asked them independently, what's the secret of 50 years? And each of them independently said this, I never tried to change them. Wow. There's only one person that can change themselves, and that's them working with God. There are even some people that God can't change. They are so stubborn. And so those that you are close to, you love them, and you know them, and there are things that just irritate the living daylights out of you. Let it go. Just let them go. It's foolish to hold on to them. Wisdom is full of mercy and good deeds. The sixth and final aspect is that wisdom is impartial and always sincere. Now that word in the Greek for impartial is adikristos. The word for sincere is anipokristos. They are very similar. And for you to understand that text, you have to understand that Greek culture had made a big impact in the Middle East through the plays that they had, through the tragedies and the comedies. There would would be actors who would play two different roles. And in playing two different roles, they would switch from one role to the next role by wearing two different masks. And they called that actor... Hippochristos. It's the word that you and I get for hypocrite. And so James is playing off of this cultural thing. But he's using words that are the exact opposite of a hypocrite. He's saying you need to be genuine. You need to be real. And so the sixth the key of wisdom is this. Will you write this down? I won't disguise my intentions. And will you add this? And I won't disguise who I am. I won't pretend. I won't try to trick you. I won't fake you out. Folks, fools fake people out. And churches that are real win people to Christ because they deal with real issues that are going on in real people's lives with real relationships. I want you to put on your calendar September 15th and pick out the one that you would like to go to because we're bringing in the big guns for some very hot, real issues that are going on in relationships in our culture. Take a look at this.
1: Family First Workshops are about learning from experts in their field on how to love your family through every season of life. Please join us for one of four workshops. Parenting. Most parents will do absolutely anything for their children, but when is it just too much? Learn more about lawnmower Parenting with Dr. Dean Beckloff. Marriage. Many times in marriage, we have expectations and interactions with one another that can leave us feeling frustrated. Learn how to create vulnerable communication in your marriage with Counselor Rhett Smith. Blended families. Create a new legacy for your family through relentless love and overflowing grace. Learn more about Blended Together Forever with speakers James and Monica Shaw. Lastly, connecting with your teen. How do you talk to your teen so they will listen to you? Learn more about loving your teen with Counselor Chelsea Mayhem. Join us Sunday, September 15th, immediately following our Sunday service from 12 to 2 p.m. with lunch included. Free childcare with registration. Sign up at lifepointplano.org.
0: So we're a real church that deals with real issues because we have got a real God. We have got a God who's wise. And he has communicated that wisdom to us in a very personal and relational way through Jesus Christ. Take a look at this last verse, Colossians 2, 3. Jesus is the key that opens all the hidden treasures of God's wisdom and knowledge. How you and I grow in our relationships is directly related to our relationship with the personified wisdom found in Jesus Christ. Where are you at? Have you said yes to him? Have you yielded your life and say, God, I want to do it your way? If you haven't, there's going to be a lot of flags <laughs> thrown down on the field. And there's going to be a lot setbacks and it's not going to be as satisfying and as peaceful and harmonious as you would like let's pray Lord I just thank you that you are the God of all wisdom I thank you for the book of James wow what a great book God it's just awesome every word is just packed filled full of stuff And I thank you for that. And I thank you, God, that you didn't just stay in heaven and allow us to just kind of figure this relational thing out on our own. No, you came in the person of Jesus Christ. And you embodied wisdom for us. And right now, I want to ask you, will you be honest with God? And will you tell him where you're at? Maybe you've been far from him and you need to come back. Maybe you don't know him and you need to yield because he's working in your life through your relationships and they're not going in the direction that you want. Whatever the case is, will you be honest with God? If you don't have Christ in your life, will you just say this, God, right now? I just want to be honest with you. I've blown it, God. And I need you in my life. I want to score a touchdown. I I want to make some first and tens. I want to be going in the right direction, God. God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you show mercy to me. Thank you that you took my punishment on the cross. Right now, God, I want to be honest with you. I need a relationship. I want a relationship with you. God, come in. Begin to work in me, God. If you prayed that prayer, let me know, would you? On your communication card, just write your name, maybe an email address, and check the appropriate box. Throw it in the offering basket. If, 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 if you've known God and yet you've drifted far from him, now's the time to come back. It's time to get in the game. Will you just say, God? I just want to be honest with you. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm going to start. I'm going to start practicing the right place to make my life better. God, I thank you that you hear these heart wrenching, gut prayers that we have, and that you're not put off by them, but rather you draw close. I thank you for that. And so God, do a work. We look forward to the future as we get into the game this fall. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.